everyone. This is Lou Rosenfeld, and you are listening to the latest Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I am with my friend Phil Kemmler. Hey, Phil. Hey, how you doing, Lou? Great to have you on the show. Phil is the uh, is a partner and the VP uh, of Client Services at Moss Media, which is M A A S S M E D I A dot com. If you're interested, and uh, you know, Moss Media, Rosenfeld Media, they're all the same, right? Um, well, I don't know. I think the media is like one of those deceptively, um, what's the word? It's, it, it's, it's, uh, it ain't scrutable. Uh, it's one of those words that to, can really uh, mask a bunch of different things. So I have a feeling what you guys do is, is a bit different than what we do over here at Rosenfeld Media. What's Moss Media about? We're about analytics and data. And I guess really the high levels, we use data to work with our, our clients to help them improve their, their digital multi-channel uh, customer experiences and what they're trying to get out of digital multi-channel from a, from a business perspective in which whether it's improving marketing or improving content and improving engagement with their customers. So um, you're, you're, you're hearing from Phil who uh, it comes from a, an analytics and a, a really a data side, but uh, I know Phil because um, many years ago I was struggling uh, with the, the topic of uh, analytics, specifically search analytics. And I was trying to write a book on it. And uh, I'd been asked uh, by Yannis Boy to speak at his first uh, U.S. conference, U.S.-based conference in Philadelphia. It's probably 10, 12 years ago. And um, I had to give the talk like later that day. And, and someone said, oh, you're struggling with the, the data analytics side? You should talk to this guy, Phil. And I forget who introduced us, but we, we got together. And you uh, helped me have a, a better understanding of, of that end of things. And uh, the long and short of it is I, I gave a talk that people didn't hate uh, called the marrying web analytics and user research. And that talk kind of grew into something for me personally, uh, which is something I'm at the moment I'm calling decision ops, but how, how do you create the conditions and infrastructure for getting the different, um, the various different inputs that describe the reality of users and customers uh, together in ways that are outside silos and instead um, are, are conducive to synthesis so that you uh, mix all this good data about the world that your customers live in and actually come up with really amazing insights. So it, it's the old blind men and the uh, elephant fable, uh, which probably every other podcast I, I trot out, you know, we have all these blind men. The fable is the blind men uh, are um, out in the jungle and, and together for a walk without any, any, uh, any kind of guide. And one of them touches an elephant's leg and says, oh, I think I found a tree. And the other one touches its trunk and says, no, no, it's a snake. And no one of them has the big picture. But when they talk to each other, they, they see the truth. Uh, that's the situation we're working on. And I know, Phil, you're interested in this idea of, of putting together these disparate parts and, and getting something bigger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this, what you're talking about in terms of bringing things together has been an interest of mine that actually goes back quite a long way. And, and actually, before I, I even started working with analytics, I mean, my, my background is in, is in marketing uh, from before, from before the web. So I was doing a lot of print marketing and, you know, the idea of coupling, you know, content and visuals is, is all part of that. And, and that's 
that's where my roots are. And so when I started to get into working online, the idea of, you know, again, coupling user experience with content was actually how I got into working um, online and even pre-web. When I got into analytics, it just seemed obvious to me that you needed to couple the data side, which was collecting clickstream data with understanding user experience and how, and how the human, you know, how people are really interacting with what you have, what you're showing to people in order to understand how to improve it. And actually in my, some of my earlier jobs, uh, notably when I was working at Bell Atlantic, I used to, you know, run user experience testing and was using it at the time with the clickstream data that we used to collect. And so this has always been a really, this just seems to me has been obvious as how the qualitative aspects of user experience and the quantitative aspects of clickstream data should be working together. And it's actually always been a surprise to me that this seems to be still a struggle for marrying these, you know, these different disciplines together as a way to really understand how well, to improve what you're doing. I agree. And I, I know we certainly felt that way when we first met, whatever it was, 10, 12 years back. You're more involved in this than I am. And certainly from the, the analytics side, do you, do you feel that, that that's changed, that there's some progress there? Or, I feel uh, it's, 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 well, I feel it's actually kind of interesting because I don't necessarily feel it's changed. In fact, I feel it's gotten a little harder because now, you know, digital is grown up to some degree. And what's happened is you have different disciplines. You know, it used to be that digital was just the web. It's no longer just the web. It's, it's also, it's social media. It's also different platforms. You have, you know, desktop, you have mobile. Um, you have now, uh, uh, you know, different channels within digital. And what's happened, uh, what I've seen, is that within organizations, you have now different digital competencies that are siloed from each other. They each have their ways of measuring what's effective. And so you, in fact, have more silos around measurement and data and more silos around what's considered successful or, or helpful in terms of making decisions in these different channels. So I don't think it's gotten better um, in, in a lot of ways. And, and something I've been working on is, you know, looking at how to just bring these competencies together in such a way that it helps, it helps people in the different channels and the different silos work more in a more complementary uh, way around the different data and insight. So it's interesting um, that in, in some respects you feel it's getting worse. I mean, I guess what's happened is these various blind men who were kind of, they were kind of babies 10, 12 years ago or, or, or longer. Um, they've kind of grown up and uh, they're, they're starting their own tribes and uh, they have their own ways of doing things or maybe, a better metaphor is they, they've grown up into uh, adult bachelors <laughs> who, who get so used to doing things on their own that they, they don't really know how to collaborate and do things with anybody else any longer. Um, I've I played with that lifestyle, so maybe this is a little too close to home for me. But uh, <laughs> um, thank goodness I, that didn't work out that way. It may be harder, but you're playing with ideas 
uh, about how to bring these things together, what you find has uh, been working for you? So, you know, coming from a digital analytics background, I think about you start with digital analytics data, which we associate with clickstream tools like Adobe Analytics or, or Google Analytics or, you know, any of the other, you know, the other players, those tell you what's happening within your digital channel. So it tells you what people have looked at, what people have completed successfully, where they're entering the site, where they're leaving. That tells you the what. And that's a good piece of information to start your journey with. But it doesn't tell you why they did it. So mm -hmm. then another, so then I would add in what's, you know, survey voice of customer, not necessarily, you know, you see voice of customer and survey data used, you know, on pop-up surveys, like, did you like what you saw, which I don't think is effective from a user experience perspective. I think it's like, did you find what you're looking for? What were you looking for? And did you find it? You know, mm -hmm. asking, you know, so if you've identified what's working and what's not working through the clickstream data, you use voice of customer um, data or these pop, you know, small surveys that are very tactical and surgical to find out what worked and what didn't work. So now you know why, why something is happening. You know what's happening from the clickstream, why something is happening from voice of customer. Then you add in what I call user experience tools such as these heat mapping tools like Crazy Egg or Clicktail or Decibel Insight. Um, and then you see heat mapping. You see actually how people have interacted with the page. You see mm -hmm. that you've put different, let's say, content or navigational features that people aren't using. You see where people might be getting lost. So that gets to the user experience side of it. And, you know, you also have, you know, online user experience platforms that get to be more, you know, that are more like the human element side, you know, like the user experience testing. So you then see how people are actually interacting with the page. So you take these three different methods and that to me is how you really see truly and can diagnose where issues are. You can also see what's working and with what groups of people they're working with to be able to get to a, a to, to get to a determination of how to use these, these three different methodologies together. So, you know, I mean, this is very much what, I, what I'm a proponent of as well. And maybe I'm not very good at marketing, but, uh, you know, I feel like uh, this should be an easy sell. Uh, these killer combinations uh, that really, as I said, lead to true insight that the stuff that really can change the game for a product, for service, for an entire organization. And yet, guessing you're still finding a bit of a uphill battle even when you have these great examples and, and uh, frameworks that put these, these combinations of, of tools and, and types of uh, research data together. I mean, does it just kind of come down to things like culture and, and language? You, you've got to you know, find the, the right words to describe all this that work for different types of people who may have different jargon. How do you do, how do you, I mean, is it cultural? Is it linguistic? Is it, um, I the fact that uh, you know the, the modern organization is is so designed around technologies and perspectives rather than the customer. Uh, and what what what's the big barriers here that we need to be really working through? I think it depends on the size and type of organization, but I think part of it's cultural. I think it's also partly just based on that 
when you're using technology, the technology tends to, you know, you get the tribe around the technology. And mm-hmm. so what happens, and it's not just with analytics, of course, it's with any kind of technology. It's, you know, it's, it's not all, you know, it's, it's also just a matter of budgets. So it's like, Oh, I have the money in a budget. I'll buy, I'll buy a digital analytics platform. So we start focusing on the digital analytics platform. And then I have money to purchase voice of customer tools. So then we're going to create that, um, that competency. And there's people around who are going to do that. And, you know, then we, you know, now, you know, first we invested in the web. Well, then now we're investing in mobile. So now we have different competencies and different tribes of people around those different platforms. And so what you see happening in, in organizations, and it's certainly smaller ones, but most definitely larger ones, is that you just have these competencies and these organizations, these subject matter groups take hold. And it's, it's almost more a function of when there's investment. And so what you don't have, and, 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 what, and what I see more and more is there's no, there's no, let's, let's say there's no, there's no overall analytics strategy. There's no data strategy. And, you know, just like you've seen in organizations, there's no digital strategy. It's the, you know, the strategy has, you know, the, the tactics have been built in a very organic, uh, unstructured way. And it's been driven by, let's say what the, what the drivers and the, you know, the high level drivers of the business are. So you're just kind of going on different paths without a real coherent um, plan. And that's what I think has happened with why, let's say, you have different analytics methods, tools used around these different digital channels because there's never really been a plan put in place. And I'm starting to see more interest in that. Well, that's good. Uh, I mean, it's heartening because I, I, I think you've hit the, the nail on the head. I think people, I think what you're saying is, again, these, these blind men now lead tribes. There's people who talk and think in terms of tools rather than problems and solutions. Uh, we, lose, we lose sight of the diagnostics and how our, our favorite toys or you know, our tools and methods don't, only, don't actually get us far enough to really diagnose properly, much less solve properly. Um, and in many cases, it is the money. You know, hey, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a, uh, a, an eye tracking person, and uh, I, I, that's what I do. And uh, I, I'm an expert in the software. And, you know, my value as an employee is tied up in that platform. And, and, and that's how I get paid. So I don't really want to change that. I don't want to. You know, I, I, challenges to that are challenges to my livelihood. You know, what I do see working, and this is something that I, you know, I, uh, I, I advocate for, you know, especially working with clients, you know, getting back to your the thought about culture is the way to break down the silos, I think, is through culture. And I'm a big believer in developing, developing communities of practice within organizations. So what I mean by that is, it's okay, you know, you do, you do need to give formal training to people on like on how to use a tool or how to use, let's say, how to use analytics tools to create insights. That's all very good. But if you really want to get adoption, 
you have to create a conversation within the organization so that people, let's say, who are in marketing talk to people who are in content, who talk to people in social media, who talk to people who are doing email marketing, who talk to people who are doing um, the data integrations in, in, you know, in, in, in BI and IT and so forth. And so you start, you know, so by creating communities of practice where people can exchange ideas, exchange experiences, talk about what's worked, talk about what's not worked, you can then build a more organic culture where it goes, it cuts across the silos and, and it's where people can have conversations in a safe place that aren't necessarily related to projects that they're working on where, where, you know, where you can get into heated disagreements. So I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that as a way, a way to, to, to get everyone into the same tent. I, I am as well, hundred percent. I will tell you that uh, back in my consulting life, uh, going back around seven, eight years, uh, I had a pretty major consultant that uh, we tried to get that going. Um, I'm sorry, major a client. We try to get that going. And um, we went as far as organizing a summit meeting. Maybe it was too much too soon, but we had uh, something like 50 people from different silos that were champions of, of one type of research or, or, or method for gathering research, or tool for gathering research or another mm -hmm. coming together. And it was very exciting. We had a really great um, company that, facilitates uh, these types of meetings, uh, uh, hired. And uh, I remember going out to California um, to, uh, to be there and help run that, that summit. And uh, a day or two before um, the summit was to start, we found something like two thirds of the people who committed to coming pulled out because they got too busy. So I, I bring that up not as a cautionary tale, but more as a, just to kind of remind us of the challenge that Phil and I are, are really describing here. It's cultural, it's linguistic, it's, it's, um, has to do with the business model, really business models, because you're talking about different groups and they have their own business models, talking about people's livelihoods, and it's, it's talking about um, actual research and how to put it together. So I don't want anyone to think this is an easy thing and that they are, feel you know, that, they, they should beat themselves up if it's not working this way in your own organization. But, uh, you know, I, I think this is really called decision ops, called something else. I think this is the, the, the thing that is going to really distinguish successful organizations in the future uh, from the ones that get left behind. It's one, it's one thing to have the data, one thing to have the research, and it's a totally different thing to put it together in a way that actually teaches you something as an organization. So Phil, anything to add to that? Uh, I just went into manifesto mode. Uh, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> well, the, the one thing that I wanted to add from an analysis perspective, and I think this starts to make what we're talking about more important from a, let's say, from a business perspective, is that the other kind of analysis that I think is important when you're coming to user experience is the social media analysis, the social media listening. Not just to see what people, not just to idly see what people are saying, but to understand that if you don't have good customer experience, user experience on your site, you actually are exposing yourself to brand risk, which mm -hmm. is becoming a much more, uh, it's getting an, it, it's becoming an issue that's getting a lot more respect um, 
you know, in the, in recent years, you know, in the executive levels, because brand risk can really uh, put a hurt on, on business, you know, so if, you know, so if your website, you know, if your shopping experience is, is hard to get through, if your customer service experience is hard to deal with, and people start complaining about this, this is a real risk that um, can, can impact the brand. So using all these other analytics methods that we've talked about today can help you solve the problem, fix the problem, so that people only have nice things to say about you in, um, you know, on social media channels, such that you mitigate that, that risk. Well, absolutely. Uh, it's a conversation we actually have uh, at Roosevelt Media probably at least every week. And uh, it's a struggle to address it, even for a, a very small company. Um, but uh, the, the thing that makes me sad is so many larger organizations that are really well-resourced have to, it has to kind of be presented to the leadership as with a framing like brand risk in order for them to care. Um, you know, risk is a four-letter word in their minds, and, and so they, they pay attention. Uh, it makes me sad as a, as a UX person that it, that's what it takes. Why, why not just do a, good, do a good job from the start? Why not care about your customers from the start? But, um, you know, uh, one step at a time. And the human in me is happy to hear that, they're, that, that, you know, that a, a term like that is actually helping carry the day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I say, it's, as we say, it's iterative, right? That's right. Well, Phil, thank you. This has been a great conversation. Thanks yeah. for letting me uh, uh, jump on my own soapbox along the way. And uh, it's been great having you on the show. Phil Kemmler, partner and VP of Client Services at, Mo at Moss Media. You guys are, um, you're in D.C., right? Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm in D.C. The uh, firm is based in Philly. So okay. uh, if anyone's in either places, and I go up to New York pretty often, look forward to, uh, to uh, continuing the conversation. Fantastic. So. And uh, I wish you all the, the best uh, uh, on your time on the Acela. And uh, <laughs> thanks again for joining us, Phil. Phil Kemmer. Hey, thanks for having me, Lou. Really enjoyed it. Have a good one. Bye.